2: Hello, it's Tuesday, February 27th, and welcome to Papercuts, where we ask the papers for a chat, delve into their problems, and then realise it simply is what it is. We've been delighted to see how many of you have signed up to our Papercuts supporters club. We know that times are tough, and we really are grateful for your support. As you know, we spend all the money we get on papers, producers, and partying. Plus, there's Jason Hazley's expenses claim for all those late-night drives to (laughs) Epping Forest taken for podcast research purposes. If you, too, would like to get ad-free episodes, a special extra funny bit, maybe even a Papercuts mug or a t-shirt, then why not check out the show notes and click on back.papercutsshow.com to see how you can become a Papercuts supporter. Now here are the headlines for today's edition. Don looks back in anger. Trump takes aim at Prince Harry. Cash and carry the can. Hunk gets tax cut warning. No sex for me, please. A journalist goes to an orgy but doesn't get involved. Welcome to Papercuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Papercuts, where we marry the papers sight unseen, then realise very quickly that we want a divorce. Joining me today is comedy writer Jason Hazley. Hi, Jason. Morning. And we also have CNN contributor Holly Thomas. Hello, Holly. Hello. So, what have we got on the front pages today, Holly? Let's start with you and the the serious papers.
3: Yes. So on the cover of the Times we have I'm proof that Britain isn't racist says Sunak. So that's Rishi Sunak trying to de-escalate the Islamophobia row. Big shout from the man who reappointed Soyla Bowman as Home Secretary there. Mm. On the cover of the I we have Hunt has 6 days to find tax cuts to save Tory MPs. So this is the story about Jeremy Hunt wanting to lower taxes discovering that actually it's a bit more expensive than he might have predicted. We've got more on that later. The Guardian, same story, experts warn Hunt over dubious case for unfunded budget tax cuts. And then on the Telegraph, we have army wives force MOD U-turn over housing. So this is like a really weird backlash over army wives flipping out basically over the idea that army personnel be awarded housing based on the size of their families as opposed to rank. They want to stick to rank.
2: Okay, so... That sounds
0: very yeah. impractical It's a really odd, it's an odd story, really isn't odd it? Story. The, the reason The reason it kicked off is because it means that there are people with stripes on their shoulders who might get moved into smaller accommodation yeah. and they're going, don't you dare do that to us. And at the time when the army is struggling to recruit, they don't want to upset the, you know,
3: yeah, rock the are, boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Threatening to quit, apparently. It
0: also, it's an excuse for the Daily Telegraph to get the words army wives on the front of it, <laughs> br-
2: which it loves. It just yeah. loves that, doesn't That's it? That's their favourite type of wag, isn't yeah. it? They can, they can pull into a story. Jason, And what have you got on the front pages?
0: Um, The Daily Mail is also doing its bit to try and excuse Lee Anderson. MPs, Gaza protests lead police less able to stop crime. I'm just going to pause on this for a minute because... There's a lot of excusing going on. There really is. There's like, oh, he was clumsy, he was infelicitous, he was wrong. Stop it. Stop excusing this. By doing this, by excusing the rubbish that comes out of the overflowing toilet that is Lee Anderson, you are building a permission structure for hate speech. Stop it. It's got to stop. Rant over. Mirror. 100 kids a day are victims of sick online blackmailers. Very depressing story indeed. The sun has friends and traitors, which is a reference to Courtney Cox off of Friends who might be going into the traitors. Very exciting. That's definitely the big news that should be on the front (laughs) of the sun. Again, the sun. I know we keep saying this, but the sun is not really interested in the news anymore, is it? And the Daily Star, proud to love animals, has a comestible special today sing for your supper boffin reveals we should serenade our food
3: yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, on, no, right actually give me a little bit
0: of what they are on about there there is a life coach and her name is Radi devluchia shetty and among her tips for living joyfully, she suggests singing to your food as you cook it.
3: What should we sing? Because <laughs> this could go in all sorts of directions.
0: Well, it's interesting you should ask that, actually, because the star has suggested the top five food songs, which include Korma Chameleon, Give Peas a Chance, Here Comes the Bun, you know, and on and mm. on, on and on. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so there we go.
2: All praise the Daily Star. All hail the Daily Star. <laughs> Donald Trump has decided to have a pop at Prince Harry, and obviously the papers bloody love it. The former president said if he were president, he wouldn't protect Harry, and added he betrayed the Queen. That's unforgivable. Holly, this is a really strange story, so can we get into the context of what he means by protecting Harry. It doesn't mean sort of, you know, actually looking after him like some sort of weird blonde guard dog, does he? What what's going on?
3: So basically, a conservative think tank, which is called the Heritage Foundation, is um, seeking the publication of Prince Harry's immigration form. And they're arguing that basically he shouldn't be allowed to enter America legally because he's taken drugs, according to his memoir, Spare. The Biden administration is saying, well, that doesn't really constitute proof that he takes drugs. Like, you know, you can make a claim in a book that you've had a spliff. It's not the same as concrete evidence that you've taken drugs. But Trump is saying, no, 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 no. If I'm president, Harry's out of the country. So, yeah, that's basically the deal. And he's also said that he wouldn't pay for the Sussexes' security protection. The Sussexes have responded saying they weren't really anticipating that. That's fine. Um, they're, They're happy to keep footing their own bills. But yeah, basically, there's some suggestion that this could be a bit of a response from Trump to Meghan Markle getting involved in the campaigning for 2020 election. And then also apparently Prince Harry once responded to a prank call from someone pretending to be Greta Thunberg um, and said something like Trump had blood on his hands for the handling of the coal industry. So this feels like a bit of a personal vendetta from Trump slash a um,
2: personal vendetta from Trump. I know. Are you <laughs> suggesting Donald Trump's a petty man?
3: <laughs> <laughs> holding, holding a grudge,
2: Donald oh, Trump. I'm not sure about that one. Well, this, so this kind of came from an offhand remark at CPAC, didn't it, where he just says this, and he says loads of bumbling bullshit every time he gets on stage. But how have the papers taken this? I mean, the Telegraph seemed to have really gone to town on what seems to be a sentence from Donald Trump and it's made the entire of their insert and a two-page spread.
3: Yes and half of the two-page spread is uh, the headline Uh, (laughs) (laughs) which is I wouldn't protect him he betrayed the queen that's unforgivable he would be on his own if it was down to me. Donald Trump. They've spoken to a renowned American lecturer on the U.S. Constitution. Uh, <laughs> who, who that's from... almost
2: like you know when you go to a provincial town and there's best kebab, yeah. and you know it's certainly not the best kebab. And that's what I would assume on this. If they're so renowned, I don't think they'd be talking in this bollocks. Maybe it,
3: it's it's sort of their equivalent of of your boffins um, in yeah. the star, no, no hate to the to the Star boffins. Love them. This uh, renowned lecturer has said the powers of the pre- president are formidable. So incisive stuff from that guy. <laughs> that guy. All, all very useful. He um, must
2: be very renowned to know that.
3: <laughs> and, and crucially, the Telegraph has also noted that this could make things very awkward for the royal family, which is a topic close to all of our hearts, of course. Um, so basically, because the king is obliged to welcome officials from overseas, if Trump's re-elected, he'll have to, you know, wine and dine him, even if he's kicked uh, has out of the country and uh, back mm. to London. Which <laughs> does the king want that or not? Hard to say. So, yeah,
2: yeah. who knows. Um, There's, so Piers Morgan, talking about petty <laughs> men with personal vendettas, <laughs> he's weighed in on this as well, hasn't he? What What is he saying in The Sun? What's that all about?
3: So, uh, yeah, in the sort of Venn diagram uniting Piers Morgan and Donald Trump, I think one powerful factor is her Her late majesty it it would it would seem so basically and being wankers (laughs) 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 who's who's to say Um, so basically Piers caught up with Donald Trump or was I think sort of saw him depart the country after he met the Queen when he met her as uh, president and Piers says for sheer unbridled joy I've never seen anything to quite match Donald Trump's beaming face when he returned to Air Force One after meeting Queen Elizabeth II for the first time at Windsor Castle. And then he apparently told him, she is so sharp, so wise, so beautiful. She's a very special person. So, yeah, basically, Piers notes that Trump's reverence for the Queen um, actually has a very long tail. So apparently, in the art of the deal, for some reason, he recounts watching the Queen's coronation in 1953. And apparently, um, Trump's mother also very much enjoyed uh, the experience. Trump said she was just enthralled by the pomp and circumstance. So yeah, Trump, long-term fan of the Queen... Um, and yeah, <laughs> taking it upon himself to, I don't know, defend her honour in a really weird sideways way. Yeah, yeah.
2: posthumous defence of the Queen, <laughs> yeah. what, what is necessary <laughs> at the moment. Jason, we spoke about this a little bit in the, in the headlines, we've spoken about this every day lately, it seems. Does the sun just seem to get further and further from reality by the day? I mean, Piers Morgan is just on a tirade here, and the front page has this, and it feels like there's probably just more important stuff they could be talking about. There must
0: be more important stuff. Piers Morgan's piece is, uh, apart from anything else, it's a bloody awful bit of writing. It's terrible. When I interviewed Trump for Piers Morgan Uncensored in 2022, writes Piers Morgan, (laughs) um, he scoffed, Harry is whipped. I won't use the full expression, but Harry is whipped like no person I think I've ever seen. Yeah, now, far- we know what, what goes in front of whipped, don't yeah. we? Yeah,
3: far bit from Trump to use that kind of language. No. Yeah, yeah,
0: quite. <laughs> yeah, no.
2: Definitely not in front of the Queen or
0: in conversations <laughs>
2: regarding the Queen as well, at least. Yeah. But
0: you know this 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 kind of notion that Trump, well, as Trump has said, hasn't he? He said that he will be, he said to people, I'll be your retribution, I'll be your revenge. And there's a lot of revenge stuff going on in here, including from Morgan himself, who concludes this piece. How ironic if it's Donald Trump who has the last laugh on the treacherous little weasel and tells him you're fired because of the despicable way he treated his grandmother, the Queen. Thanks for those last <laughs> two words, they appear. (laughs) Just in case I hadn't remembered who Harry's grandmother was. Um, I'm going to put this in some interestingly unhelpful context. At CPAC this weekend, I mean, Trump now gets up at these events and talks, uh, extemporises for uh, up to an hour and a half. I think he spoke for 90 minutes at CPAC. He talks... Bollocks, just absolutely rains bollocks down on people. Among the things he said this weekend were he said to the black population of America, they're indicting me for you. He said there are languages coming into the US that no one's ever heard. And he also said, and good luck joining these two dots people in Beverly Hills pay so much tax that they only brush their teeth once a day. So, we're not talking about an intellectual giant here. We are talking about someone who just talks bollocks. And what's happened here is that Piers Morgan and The Telegraph have caught some of those bollocks and turned them into print.
1: (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it
2: In a recurring theme in politics, the Tories want to cut taxes again, but they don't know how to fund actually cutting taxes. But they're saying they're going to do it again anyway because they want a very small number of people to vote for them at some point. So Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has also now been warned that he might need to think twice before doing this in his upcoming budget, which is next week. So Holly, what is Hunt being told here and by who?
3: So basically, Hunt is really hoping that he can cut 2p of personal taxes in next week's budget without having to cut spending. The IFS says that isn't possible. (laughs) Essentially, um, if you cut money from one place, you have to find it somewhere else. And the indications are it would come from unprotected government departments. So yeah, basically, in uh, his autumn statement last November, Hunt committed to an increase in Whitehall spending of about 1% above inflation. So... Yeah, I I mean, I'm going to find more money, however, we're going to be taking less money. Basically, it doesn't add up in a very fundamental way. Something's got to give in the next week.
2: Yeah, so is it going to be basically just sort of more austerity? Is that really what we could be looking at here?
3: Yes, from certain departments. The IFS reckons he'll need to find about £35 billion uh, from departments like kind of higher education uh maybe defense that kind of thing yeah. and yeah it says that there's no credibility that he can ad- announce tax cuts under the current circumstances so yeah he yeah he's kind of stuck basically yeah. what, it's is not it, what is it
2: what is it suggesting might do though what is it that they're they're kind of touting and what are the tories pushing for
3: so Damien Green, who's the chair of the One Nation Caucus, is saying that the best way to grow the economy is to cut taxes. And basically what he could do, what Hunt could do, is cut 1p off the basic rate of income tax and then um, or introduce a further cap to national insurance. So I don't really see how that makes much of a difference. If you can't yeah. afford 2p, you probably can't afford 1p either.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, none so, of it really seems to make very much sense to me. I, Jason, does this feel like they're just, the Tories are failing to read The room in any sort of way, and also just failing on all fronts. Really, isn't it?
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent, failing to read the room. In fact, there was the Fairness Foundation published the results of a survey four days ago that said that sixteen percent of the population want tax cuts, less than one in five people. So this is like, who who are you appealing to? Well, obviously they just. This is just trying to score some extra votes in the forthcoming election. Yeah. The maths is appalling. I mean, apart from the fact that, like, government debt is going up every month anyway, the The Resolution Foundation said, they did the crunch of numbers, and they said, cutting the basic rate of income tax by 1p while maintaining the personal allowance freeze next year would mean anyone earning less than £38,000 will see their personal tax bills rise. So this okay. actually doesn't work out. When you shake it all out, you go, oh, so it's not actually saving most people any money at all. And also most of them don't want this. Yeah. And at a time when you've got things like Birmingham going bankrupt as a city, you know, boy, do we not need tax cuts. We need we need to get more tax from somewhere and throw it back into the public realm where it's
2: badly needed. The headlines are the delectable sandwich filling of the papers and boy do we have a BLT for you today. Jason, what, what tasty morsels have you spotted in the newspaper pages?
0: Well, in the star on page 10, we have the story that Great British Railways, which is a new nationalised organisation which is going to take over the railways but hasn't done so yet, is employing people who aren't doing enough. This is because it's, you know, you have to lay the, well, lay the tracks um, for something like this. So they've set up this organisation. There are people there who, some of whom are just having one meeting a day, apparently. And the headline under this is the Great Train Jobbery... Jobbery. Jobbery. Jobbery sounds quite rude. It does. It's it's got, yes, it's got, yes. Um, Now, (laughs) meanwhile, in the Daily Star, from that front page story about people singing to their food, the full story is covered on page seven with... The brilliant headline, and I, I love these ones where I get a chance to sing, Hello, is it meat you're looking for? <laughs>
2: Lovely. They, although I'm really, there's a, my sort of sub sent centre twitching at me there. They've got an ellipsis, which is only two dots. I know, two that dots. Don't lose all, all sort of credibility. is completely gone there. There's also a little books. sidebar story
0: here about the price of hot cross buns going up under the excellent headline, Hot and Cross at
2: Bun Hike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Holly what have you got so you've got the the star first don't you
3: the star has um, a very very tiny story that really packs a punch it says a food lover has set an eating challenge record after demolishing a 30 inch burrito in just 11 minutes so that's more than 2 inches a minute of... actually wait now I say that that doesn't seem that fast no that's
2: the thing <laughs> uh, when you first said it I was so yeah. fair, and then I just thought that really doesn't sound
3: 30 that inches great. A so burrito. that's like, what, two and a half feet?
2: Two, yeah, actually, yeah. actually, you know what? So
3: That is quite big. Um, in, in how long? In 11 minutes.
2: I, can, I could do that. I could do that? Yeah. Oh, well, you know. Well, that, sounds, sorry.
3: Yeah. that sounds like a subscriber content. <laughs> that's
0: that first line <laughs> of it. For, yeah,
2: yeah. That's, we're doing like a paper cuts mukbang or whatever it's
3: called. <laughs> <laughs> Headline is, tough act to swallow. Solid. Nice. The Sun has another food-related story. A lot of food today yeah, um, yeah. in the papers. This one's quite depressing. It's about how potatoes have just gotten much more expensive due to have bad harvests and general shortages. Um, headline is, chips not cheap.
2: It's not It's not terrible. The thing that I'm finding with that, though, that I it can just be a throwback to last week, that there was a headline, I think, in the Star, which was, Spuddy Hell about nearly the exact same thing and they've clearly they've got the news a bit late and thought we just need to try and get our own headline here yeah and And it's it's just not not rolling for time now Now we get to the strange side of the papers where they're always obsessed with life's highs and lows. And today they've got a very bizarre low point. So under the headline, Silly Wonka, the Daily Mail discusses the world's worst immersive Willy Wonka experience. Jason, please talk me through this.
0: Right. Okay. So there is uh, uh, an event organiser called House of Illuminati, which set up um, an immersive Willy Wonka experience. For which tickets were £35 per head. That is quite steep, I would say. Quite steep, yes, yep. And what they were expecting was what the poster promised. And the poster was generated by AI. So it was not actually representative (laughs) of anything in the experience itself, just as well, really, because the experience was absolute shit. (laughs) Um, It's quite clear from the photos of it, and there's a brilliant little um, STV news report, which you should look at on your social media feeds, um, of just this half-empty warehouse with a few tables here and there and the odd sort of prop shaped like a teddy bear or a uh, giant suite. I mean, it is just incredibly depressing, but also terribly funny. Uh, but not yeah. if you pay thirty-five pound a ticket; it's not very funny. No. So people absolutely lost their shit,
2: and the police were called. Yeah, what are some of the <laughs> uh, what are some of the standout quotes in this? Because I know there's some some people are pretty angry. Underwhelming was an understatement,
0: wrote one mother. Embarrassing doesn't even cut it. I paid for Willy Wonka and got Billy Bonkers. <laughs> Not sure that quite works out. I don't think she's got a future at the Star.
2: That mother. No, I really do enjoy just how much it doesn't quite work. This the place does look fucking diabolical. Just <laughs> a does. warehouse with some benches, like a really sort of depressing canteen. And then they've got an arch, but it also looks like a kind of I don't know sixth form drama production play. Holly, what stood out to you about this this Wonka story?
3: Well, as far as I could gather, they only hired one actor for it. And rather than have them play Willy Wonka, who you'd think would be the kind of obvious choice, they had one Oompa Loompa and she was given a 15-page script, I think it was. So essentially people attended a monologue by a woman in a green wig. That feels like an incredibly strange allocation of resources. I don't know who sort of like cracked their knuckles were like, I know what this needs. It's like a really, really long script by a character who doesn't traditionally really say much. Much no. In um, in Wonka, so yeah, I, I thought that was a, like a particularly odd move.
2: I like to imagine it's like lumpa beat poetry. <laughs> and that'd be quite good. Like <laughs> set, just stood there, like mega chewing gum, just diving out throughout the whole thing. It just yeah, it's. It, I, I've, I've got to say, I do quite love these disappointing event things. My weirdest one is I went to a seance in Grantham what? with my mum. Yeah, yeah, we went to a seance, which was just uh, quite ludicrous. And the same woman thought that family members came to her three times. And I thought, unless this village hall is a burial ground <laughs> for your family, <laughs> They quite clearly cannot have. So yeah, i I like going to these sort of weird, strange. God, I'd love not to quite call right a that sounds yeah. great. It was. It was it was uh, yeah, it was very bizarre. Well, right, so we've talked about some this event let down. Let's move on This is basically this is one. the out-of-season
0: version of the disappointing Christmas thing, you know, where yeah. there's a car park with a plastic reindeer in the corner, you know, it's that yeah. kind
2: of thing. Yeah, exactly, which you know you just need every so often the tabloids. But so we've had this event let down. Now let's move on to another event let down. And basically in the times there is a story about a reporter who went to an orgy and somehow managed to not have sex at the orgy but then write about the orgy and call it their first time at an orgy which to me i don't think you've really done an orgy if you've not done anything at the orgy (laughs) you've just kind of i I don't know holly can you talk me through this one
3: so i found this kind of Moving in all the wrong ways. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ended they up feeling... found the
2: experience moving in all the wrong ways, hence not shagging at an I, orgy. Just, I
3: feel a bit sad. So basically, um, the writer, Lucy Rober yeah, she describes herself as, um, I think she mentions she's 48 and she's a divorced mother of three teenagers. And she's basically, you know, quite open to the idea of something that might, you know, spice up her life. And she's also, crucially, the new editor of The Erotic Review, which is relaunching as a print magazine. So, you know... She's got you know a lot of a lot of skin in this game so to speak, um, and yeah, she basically she enlists a friend, a school friend, to go with her to a killing kittens party, which basically sounds like a lot of people kind of hoping to relive a sort of saltburny type experience. They go to a big mansion in the countryside, they all wear masks, um, and you know get together in kind of playrooms and stuff. Um, yeah, so, so Lucy sort of said she was open and curious, but basically she, she sort of gets there and is... Immediately, it's very clear. Incredibly uncomfortable. She sort of stands with her friend, watching things, and apparently, and then until at one point, her friend kind of gives her a look and is like, "We've got to go in one of these rooms, Lucy." She goes. She sort of she describes seeing a complicated melange and immediately averting her (laughs) eyes. Um, And yeah, I sort of. I, I I mean, yeah, it's sort of. You know, it's relatively positive. You know, she mentions that the MC was talking about consent and, you know, there seem to be sort of uh, guidelines to ensure everyone's doing it right. But yeah, it's very, very obvious that she feels incredibly awkward and you can't help but get the feeling that she, rather than take the friend as a kind of like, we're in this together, like, let's get involved. It, the friend's almost there as her excuse for to not get involved. She's, she's okay. an observer, but she doesn't want to be kind of hanging around on the, against the wall kind of by herself watching people. As
2: an intrepid journalist, though, are you you disappointed by (laughs) the lack of involvement here?
3: Yeah, to be honest, I sort of feel like if you're going to write one of these stories, I think you have to at least, maybe should be a realistic prop. Prospect of you getting involved, and to be honest, I don't think that there was no. with with our Lucy. Um, and and it it tends to be a bit of a theme with these pieces as well. They kind of come along about once a month or two, and no one ever shags. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the piece where that you know they dive into that melange and yeah, get that's in what you want, it. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: This is like because the whole I made my excuses and left thing that's been like a tabloid. Um, uh, go to for decades and decades now hasn't it and it's still going on here but in the times now Um, I was very struck by the way by the whole going with a school friend thing because at the because at the last in the last paragraph I think it is of the story she said my friend was pleased because she'd at least snogged the DJ and it was the word snogged that made me think this does sound like a very kind of weirdly teenage perspective you've got here but also if you read it pejoratively like I'm about to. Um, it does sound teenage. Over the following two and a half hours I went back upstairs another five times. I leant on door frames trying to understand the patterns of behaviour. <laughs> what are you the, doing the, in there? I'm the just trying to understand behavior. the patterns of behaviour.
2: <laughs> <laughs> really ethnographic yeah. sort of study of, uh, of shagging there going on. But also from the editor of the Erotic Review, this is a deeply
0: unerotic bit of writing it really is
3: yeah I'm really curious to sort of see what the erotic reviews output could like it is quite literally like the erotic review like I'm just going to review the eroticism here without in any way partaking it's a kind of David Attenborough approach I sort of like you think back to this is such a weird comparison but you know how like be, uh, blue peter presenters like the entire point of being a blue peter pr- presenter is you have to be game to do absolutely anything yeah. I, you sort of feel like if one of those guys got there they would they would they wouldn't have lost five minutes they'd be like in a threesome <laughs> no problem you know well,
2: Holly, this is genius
3: sending blue peter <laughs> to a
2: killing kittens party it's got to be done yeah yeah that's that's the way you get a blue peter badge for every uh <laughs> every, every new king she so, take off. The lack of eroticism is very
0: much underlined when you read this on the Times by the uh, by what happens underneath. It's, it says related articles, and the first one comes in with the headline "My nights of Endometriosis oh Agony." <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, no. This woman needs to have a chat with uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> get get her head in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Shagger Biden. Yeah. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of today's paper cuts. Thank you very much to Holly for joining us. Thank you. And thank you to Jason. Thank you. Remember, we're out five days a week and we would be really grateful for your support to carry on making sense of the papers for you every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit. There is no big media owner behind us and we spend around £600 a month on papers alone. It would be fantastic if you could chip in a little to keep paper cuts on the road. For as little as £3 a month, you can get 20 episodes a month without adverts. Support us with a little little more and you can get extended episodes with extra material plus the coveted papercuts mugs and t-shirts which are occasionally modelled by our panel but aren't today they're very much letting the side down follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com that's b-a-c-k.papercutshow.com to find out more our beloved supporters also get a shout out on the show and here are some now for you it's
0: grazie mille from me to chris payne and claire vaughan
3: Thank you so, so, so much to Simon David Demmon and Ashley Boyle.
2: Thank you very much from me to Edwina Nolan and James Dibb-Simkin. I've been Jacob Jarvis and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when the star revealed that parents are choosing baby names based on what would be a good Instagram handle. That's why I'm calling my firstborn Bloke 420 See you tomorrow.
3: Papercuts was written and presented by Podmaster's managing editor, Jacob Jarvis, with Jason Hazley and Holly Thomas. The assistant producer was Adam Wright, and the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams, socials by Kieran Leslie, design by Jim Parrott, with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Papercuts is a Podmaster's production.